at what he's done. I've been set free every mistake. He washed me clean when I lost my way. Amazing grace found me. Imagine Bernadette and Warren and Lynn doing air guitar to that. <laughs> so if you don't know what I'm talking about, actually ask someone about the Christmas in July night that we had because um, we had an air guitar competition and it was very, very, very cool. So I've been bopping away to that all week in my car, sitting at the traffic lights, um, and it's, it's the message that we've come to unpack today. Goodbye, all me. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Diane. It is my honour to take you today into the next um, stage of our series on old school, um, where we've looked at, over the years, we've looked at that this um, church is family, the church is hospital, the church is army, and this series is about the church's school. Let's start today by jumping into Exodus 34. If you've got your Bibles there, grab them. If you've got a Bible app, open it and turn to Exodus 34. I'm going to be reading from verse 29. Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying two stone tablets inscribed with the covenant laws. He was not aware that his face was radiant. It shone brightly because he had spent time talking with the Lord. And the Israelites were afraid of him. So we read in verse 33 that he actually put a veil over his face. And then flip to 2 Corinthians. I'll give you a minute to find it on your Bible app. 2 Corinthians, and I'm reading in chapter 3, verse 7. <laughs> Thank you, Harold. <laughs> In the same way, in the old way, with law etched on stone, it led to death. 
Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not even bear to look on Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of the Lord. And in verse 18, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image forever and ever, increasing in glory, the glory that comes from the Lord who is spirit. Will you pray with me? Holy God, thank you that you've brought us together today. Thank you for this glorious new day. Thank you that we get to spend time learning about you. And I'd ask that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our spirits, challenge us, teach us. We are yours. Amen. Some weeks ago, we all saw Troy's back fence. We had a photo of his back fence. Two weeks ago, Jeff showed us a photo of his back fence. So not to be outdone, I'm going to show you a picture of my back fence. Now, this, this photo will be familiar to some of you because I have shown this before. There's a few things I want you to know about this. All of those trees were planted at exactly the same time. They were all lovingly tended by my husband. They were all fertilised, pruned, cared for, watered. They all got exactly the same amount of care. And yet you have to say to yourself, why, why aren't they all flourishing? Why are some gorgeous and tall and lovely and requiring more pruning? <laughs> and why are three just stunted? Now, the gardeners in the room will have already worked that out, so hold that thought. We're going to revisit that, but it actually has a key element about transformation, biblical transformation, which is what we're going to look at today. What is biblical transformation? I thought it'd be fun for us to look at what biblical transformation isn't. Samuel James Whitwicky, descendant of Archibald Whitwicky. I know your name. Yeah? My name is Optimus Prime. So awesome, right? Great movie and all the others that follow, but not biblical transformation. What about this? Hello, you lot. It's quite early, it's about half past seven, and 
Miss Price, my makeup artist, she's been putting the nose and the ears on for about half an hour, and it's about two hours from when I sit down in my dressing gown to when I walk onto the set fully dressed as Nanny McPhee, which is really not bad. Now what Paul's doing is painting it. So at the end of this process, you won't be able to tell the difference between the nose and the ears and my real skin. When Paul has finished painting, she stick my monobrow on and she stick my, my warts on and she stick my hair on. And then this strange thing, and that goes into my mouth here. Another one there, which goes on the other side. And then there's these ghastly, big pearl false teeth. And these fit over my own teeth here. Like that. And there she is. Also brilliant, right? <laughs> but not biblical transformation. Okay, what about this? In nature, we see the life cycle of a monarch butterfly. It starts looking pretty ugly. It's, it's a worm, a caterpillar. But it turns into this magnificent butterfly. Transformation, right? Not biblical transformation. Okay, what about this one? Is there one more? Yes, okay, so... Currently, um, in society, there is a theme. It's about applying oneself. It's about meditation. It's a, it's a self-improvement push. It's, it's a transformation, but it's not biblical transformation. Thanks, Troy, for doing the lights. Okay, so if we look at what biblical transformation is, having looked at what it isn't, the first thing we're going to do is actually open the Oxford Dictionary, and the Oxford Dictionary would tell us that transformation is a marked change in form, nature, or appearance. It's a metamorphosis. We also read that it's, it's actually two things. It's both the journey, the verb, being transformed, but it's also a destination. It's a noun. It's, I am transformed. It's, a, it's an incredibly versatile word. In the New Testament, we see that the Greek is translated to, to be um, change, to modify, to restructure something. But it's, again, that theme of a marked difference in appearance, character, condition or function. In fact, our, the word that we use, metaphorsis, meta, comes from the word transformation. If we look at the New Testament, I want us to turn to Luke 19. And there's an example of a transformation there from a single meeting with Jesus. And in Luke 19, we read about Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector. He'd become very wealthy, and we know how he became wealthy, and it was not by means of being honest or treating people fairly. He'd heard that Jesus was coming his way, and so he climbed a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus more clearly. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I am going to be a guest in your 
home today. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us how long it is between that moment and what happens next, but the metamorphosis, the transformation is significant because Zacchaeus turns to Jesus and says, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of their taxes, I will pay them back four times as much. That's transformation. And we think from a single meeting with Jesus. I found this gorgeous um, quote while I was doing my preparation for today. So complete is biblical transformation that just like the caterpillar becoming a butterfly cannot change back, so too we can't change back once we are changed. Once we are transformed by the Spirit of God, the old has gone and new has come. So when we study transformation in the Bible, what is it? The very first thing that we learn is that transformation starts with our new birth in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Our transformation starts, in a sense, at Jesus' death on the cross for us and resurrection. When we say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, that's the beginning of our transformation journey. But we are transformed in that moment. It's a mystery. Secondly, transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit. Whilst we have a part to play, it is the Holy Spirit's role in you and I to transform us. In Titus 3, we read, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of our rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The third thing we learn is that transformation is a command. This is not something we get out of. We are commanded to be transformed and to engage in ongoing transformation. In Romans 12, we read, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Fourthly, transformation is relational. It comes from our relationship with Jesus. In Colossians 3 we read, Put on your new nature, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. Our transformation is a direct result of how we engage relationship with God. Fifthly, Transformation is a collaborative activity. We don't get to do this on our own, just me and God, you know, in my my room, reading my Bible, having prayer life. It's a collaborative thing. It involves the body. It's not something that happens in isolation. God has given us the most amazing structure to be able to be transformed In 1 Corinthians 12, we read that the human body has many parts. The many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, we read, Speaking the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, he makes his whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the others grow. That's transformation. So the whole body is healthy, the whole body is growing, and the whole body is full of love. 
When we do life together, transformation can happen. Meeting together is important. I understand that being online is for some people a choice and, and we provide that for them and it's really great for people to be online, but there's nothing quite like being together in the room. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. He says, We can no more be conformed into the image of Christ outside of corporate spirituality than a piece of coal can continue to burn bright once it's taken outside of the fire. The piece of coal will eventually lose its warmth, its heat, and go black and cold and lifeless. An essential part of our key leaders' role, so Troy and Connect leaders and ministry team leaders, is to create an environment within which we, the workers, can experience transformational relationship. So Michaela is not just running a kids' program, mainly music every, every, mainly music every week. It's part of her role to actually be caring for her team and her team care for her. And what is created is an opportunity for change and growth. The Bible says that, you know, iron rubs against iron and we become sharper. We become better versions of ourselves when we fully engage in teams, when we work together, when we have fun together, when we do ekatar at Christmas carol nights, believe it or not. Stephen, who's um, a Kinesh group leader, he's not just running like a Bible study group, he's actually creating an environment within which transformational relationships can happen, where people can meet, we can socialise together, we actually rub against each other, we bring out the best of each other, and sometimes we bring out the not best of each other, that's okay. In, one Colossian, in Colossians 1 we read, it is Christ who we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in him. To this end, we strenuously contend with all the energy of Christ who so powerfully works in me. When Troy and I were discussing today, he, he said a quote that has just sat with me and I've been thinking it over and over and it's from Andy Stanley and he says, um, information happens in rows. Transformation happens in circles. Transformation happens in circles. So my question to you would be, when are, when are you in a circle of people? What circles are you in? Are you in connect groups? Are you in prayer groups? Are you in a mainly music team? Are you in a, a, a ministry team of, where you're working, living, sharing life together? being community together. It's the church's job to provide opportunities for us to be more like Christ. And that happens, as I've said, in our connect groups, other small groups, in our community, you know, our, the things that we do like at Christmas time and working together to make gingerbreading happen. So what have we seen? Transformation starts with our new birth in Christ. Transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit in every single one of us. Transformation is a command. This is not an optional extra. Transformation is relational. It, what, it comes from our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And transformation is collaborative. It happens when we do church together.
So here's where the, the rubber hits the road. And, and the ball is actually in your court. It's up to us to make transformation happen. It's up to us to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to transform us more into the likeness of Christ. He will not do this against our will. I want to look at another story from the New Testament. In John 5, we read that there was a man who had been lame for 38 years. He would go to the pool at Bethsaida and he would wait for the water to bubble, believing that they were healing waters, and he would try desperately every time to get into the water, believing that those waters would heal him of his lameness. In verse 6, we read that Jesus was passing by, saw him there, knew that he had been ill for a long time and went up to him and asked him a really odd question. Do you want to be well? And we might think, that's insane. Of course he wants to be well. Why wouldn't he put all this energy into coming to the pool so often, so regularly? I love, I love the questions that Jesus asks people. It's kind of pretty left field. But I'm going to twist a little bit and say, do you want to be transformed? You can actually be saved. You can actually begin a relationship with Jesus. You can actually be involved in the body of Christ, come every Sunday and not actually experience transformation. Transformation is a choice. In 2 Corinthians 3, we read that after Moses had been with the Lord, his face shone. Deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, an active, thriving relationship with Jesus shows. I'm going to show that we kind of shine like Moses did, but it shows. There's a light in a person's eye. There's a way that they do life. There's the way that they do difficult days. It shows. So let's get practical. What does it take to create a way for this to happen in our daily life? And you need a Bible. <laughs> I know that sounds like a dumb thing to say. And it doesn't matter what you use. Um, please don't be offended by how old and daggy this one is. You need a Bible that you just love to pick up. So I'm currently reading uh, New Living. I love it. It's great. But before this, I was completely 150% sold on the NIV. And before that, I was 150% sold on the New Jerusalem Bible. So what I'm saying is every season can be slightly different. It doesn't matter what version you read. If you love reading King James, awesome. But find a Bible that you love. Find a Bible that you're happy to pick up. I, I love that this will fit in one of my big handbags. I love that it will fit kind of down the side of the seat in the car if I take it with me. I did have a little one that I used to carry with me around, but the, the print was too small. I, I write in mine. I scribble in it. I, I doodle in it. I highlight. I, I have a variety of um, bookmark things. Having a transformational relationship with Jesus will not just happen. The very first thing you need is to have a Bible that you love. The second thing I would say is you need, can't, don't, don't start at Genesis 1 1. 
Well, I mean, you can if you want to, but start somewhere that's actually going to make you want to pick it up again tomorrow. So here's a range of what I... The devotional books. And they're as simple as Every Day with Jesus. Awesome. One page. Take you maybe two minutes. Follows a theme. There's a bunch on the table at the back. Please help yourself. They're a gift from my mother-in-law and I've used a number of them. She's used them. Every Day with Jesus. Or pick up... This is a really old... Looks super daggy. Andrew Murray... Great book, you're welcome to borrow it. Or a book that actually focuses on a particular Bible. This is just on Colossians. Max Licardo, you cannot go past some of his teaching. You read a chapter or a page and you just spend time in that particular page or whatever the message is for that particular page. You can get them on topics. You get the point, right? You get the point. Number one, you need a Bible you love. Number two, you need some sort of devotional assistant. The Bible app on my phone has um, reading plans and devotional plans, which are awesome. You can pick them by theme. There might be a topic that you really want to get into or you you might want to choose a book of the Bible to study. Number three, (laughs) you need a plan. You need to decide when. When am I going to do this? When am I going to study? This will not just happen by accident. Are you going to do it in the morning? Are you a morning person? Are you going to get up half an hour earlier? Do you you have a spot where you can sit? Have you got a study desk that you can clear a little bit of? Bible talks about going into your cupboard and, you know, finding a space in your cupboard. Do you have a space that you can set up that's your space to sit down and study the Word of God? Fourthly, it needs time. You have to schedule it. You might have to get up before the kids wake up. It might be at night time. That might be your go-to time. It might be at lunchtime. You might be in a job where you can actually walk around the corner, find a spot in a cafe, got your small Bible or your Bible on your phone. You've got your devotional help. It's kind of little, so, you know, it'll fit in the back of your Bible. And you sit and you drink your lunchtime coffee and you spend time with Jesus. Lastly, transformational relationship needs people. That's us. (laughs) Like it or not, it's us. We are part of your journey in the transformation journey. These relationships, not just us. There are other people that you're involved in in your life who will put into... You might have family members who actually really assist you in your personal relationship with Jesus. Having a transformational relationship with Jesus is a practical thing. It's a really practical thing. It takes a Bible. It takes a devotion plan. It takes a plan when, where. It takes time and it takes people. You need to be involved. All right, back to the trees at my back fence. What is the one thing that makes the difference? We have three or four stunted trees, three or four trees that have not flourished and the others have. The clue is in the photo. See the big tree on the right on the yeah, right hand side? It takes all the sun. These trees that are not growing, and I'm actually not pointing at Stephen and Kim right now, I'm pointing at a picture right here. Those trees are not flourishing because they're struggling to get enough sun. And sorry for the pun. But if we do not get enough of the Son of God in our daily life, flourishing is really hard. The other thing that those three trees compete for is nourishment in the soil. They don't get as much rain as the other trees. 
They fight for nourishment for the roots that are in that big tree. Make a choice to have a, a, a transformational relationship with Jesus on the basis of putting time into a relationship with Jesus. In Jeremiah 29.13 we read, You will find me when you seek with me, when you seek me with all of your heart. If we seek to have a deep, thriving, intimate relationship with Jesus that makes a difference in our day and shows like the shine on Moses' face, it needs for us to seek him, seek the holy God with our whole heart. Can I pray for you? Lord God, my hope would be that you would make us into people who are in love with you. Lord God, as I prayed, open our hearts, open our minds, that we might know the deep longing to be with you, to be in deep relationship with you, and for that to be the thing that transforms us into your likeness and your image. We are yours. Amen.